We have been going through the letter to the Colossians, and we're in chapter 3, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Scriptures. In fact, let me just tell you this, you adults. This is a great chapter to memorize. There's so much in this, this chapter. And it starts out saying, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with Him also in glory. So there is this, there is this new vision to get our eyes set on Christ and not the things around us. And then last week, we talked about the next step is that you know you are taking off that old person you were before you came to know christ if you're in christ to take off these old things these old passions sexual immorality impurity lust evil desire and greed which is idolatry you're to take off the old what i call payback you know tendencies anger rage malice slander filthy language from your lips and you're put you're putting on you're taking off that old person that you were and you're putting on Christ you're putting on Christ because you are being renewed in the image of your creator as it says there and also realize Jesus is speaking to a people a young church where people are coming from all backgrounds some are Jewish, some are Gentile, different religious backgrounds, right? And so, you know, there's bringing together a, a diversity of people. And he says, you know what? Here in Christ, there's a whole new identity. There's a whole new reality in the body of Christ. You see, there is no Jew or Gentile, Greek or Gentile. We're not focused on our ethnicity or nationality. And there's no circumcised or uncircumcised. We're not looking at our religious backgrounds. There's no educational or cultural background that we're focusing on, barbarian or Scythian. And there's no social economic strata we're focusing on, that is, slave or free. If you are in Christ, we become together as one. There's a new identity. A new destiny, a new community, a new family, as we just talked about. But let's face it, putting on Christ sounds really biblical and, and you know, spiritual, but what does that look like? What does that look like in the everyday comings and goings and interactions in the body of Christ? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because here's the truth. Even though we're being brought together as a body, we still have those different backgrounds, don't we? And even though we're being brought together as a body, we still have those things we wrestle with our, with our old nature. Whether it's our old passions or our old payback uh, tendencies. So what does it look like to put on Christ? And here's the thing that we're going to operate under. Putting on Christ is about 
His presence and life that are being made known as we allow His character to manifest, make itself known in us. I know that's a mouthful. But basically, Jesus making Himself known in His body. So, before we dive in here, I'd like to pray, and then we'll go ahead and look into this life-giving message the Lord has for us in His Word. So, Lord, again, we are so grateful that you, Lord Jesus, invaded history. You changed everything. And for those of us who know you, you are changing us right now. You've changed our destiny. You've changed our identity. And you've brought us into an amazing family. But now you want to manifest yourself in your people, in your family, in your body. And show us what that looks like today, Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we look in your living word. And Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray these things. Amen. Forgive me, I'm getting a little cotton mouth. I need a little something, something here. So just give me a second. All right. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to pick it up at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So the first thing I want you to know, notice about putting on Christ, it is His grace, His grace clothing our interaction among us. His grace clothing our interaction among us. And I've kind of broken this point up into two points here. First of all, the identity with grace. If you are in Christ, he says you are chosen. You're chosen of God. He said, I want you. I want you to be my child. You are holy. You're holy. You're set apart. You're considered as having the righteousness of Christ. And you are loved. You are beloved because you are in the beloved one. So how did that happen? Is that because we're exceptional people? Because we earned it? You all know the, question, the answer. The answer is no. It's because he is gracious. And we have received that grace. We have responded to His good news. It's by grace. But here's the thing. Even though you may feel like it's just the opposite of how I feel about myself or see myself, if you are in Christ, you are chosen. You are holy. You are beloved. That is true of you. And you know what else? It's true of the other people who are in Christ as well. It's true of the people you get along with and you have a lot in common with. And it's true of the people who really annoy you and you don't have a whole lot in common with. If they are in Christ, they are chosen, they're holy, they're loved. We're all in this together. It's what God has done 
by His grace. We've received all of this because of His grace. So there's an identification in that grace. But number two, there's the characteristics of grace. And this is the application. We are to clothe ourselves, literally put on these, these attributes. Compassion. Compassion towards one another. Literally in the Greek, it means to have bowels of mercy. A liver of mercy. It's like a, it's like a gut thing you feel for somebody of my heart goes out to you. Of pity. Of, uh, you know, I feel for you. I have genuine sensing of compassion, if you will. Being redundant there. I guess the best example I have of that is, is Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. And John... Chapter 11, verse 35. And what does it say? He sees the people weeping and he has compassion. It says, Jesus wept. Why does he do that? He knows he's going to raise him and five minutes later, why is he weeping? It's because Jesus' heart goes out to the people, to Mary and Martha. He has compassion. That is, we start to have a sense of Passion, feeling for one another. Number two, kindness. And this word is rooted in the Greek word we use for grace, which is charis. But here's what it means. It means extended favor. Kindness means extended favor. It means you make the first move towards somebody, whether they deserve it or not. It's extended favor. Again, it's rooted in Christ, right? Who is God in the flesh before time. Well, God in the flesh who puts on flesh and dwells among us. He doesn't wait for us to get it right. He comes down toward us to dwell among us and to do what he needed to do. Live a life we couldn't live. Pay a penalty we couldn't pay. Conquer a foe we couldn't conquer. Give us life we don't have in ourselves. But He makes the first move. How about you? How are you in extending favor towards others? Do you wait till somebody asks you? Do you wait till somebody says, hey, could you help me out here? Or do you see a need and, and go take care of it? One of the most beautiful expressions of this was actually when Carrie's mom lost her Carrie lost her mom, and we were staying at a at a, a, a family's house during that time. And Audrey, the woman of the who was the you know mother of the house, she said, when when Carrie's mom died, she said, "Let me make supper for you." And you know we'd been watching Carrie's mom just slowly deteriorate, and when Martha finally passed, she said. Audrey said, hey, let me make supper for you. And we just sat around her table and laughed and cried and it was just cathartic. But it was Audrey just saying, let me extend grace to you. Let me serve you. She did, we didn't ask her. And it wasn't an amazing meal. It was just spaghetti. 
But it was amazing in the sense that it was kindness and it's what we needed as a family. How are you extending favor? Inviting someone, hey, why don't you come along? Or just going over. You know, when you walk into a strange new church, it's like, well, who's going to say hi to me? You're a Berean, are you? Extending favor to somebody you don't know in this room. Humility. Humility, not kind of a worm sense of who you are, but rather not looking to get ahead of others. Willing to serve, willing to do the yucky stuff. Again, it's exemplified in our Lord Jesus Christ, who was in very nature God, yet did not look to grasp equality with God. But he took on the nature of a servant, put on flesh, and was obedient. Obedient even to death on the cross. Again, he is the ultimate expression of humility. But it's the thought of, I'm not trying to get ahead of you. I'm not trying to make you feel less than. I'm not trying to make myself greater than others. In fact, I'm willing to sacrifice in order for your good. Gentleness. Gentleness. It's a, it's a mildness. It's a sensitivity. As you try and come alongside of people, addressing their needs, but not doing it in a rough, roughshod manner, but a sensitivity, a, a gentleness. Maybe you've been in the hospital and noticed the difference between a nurse who's gentle and one that's not so gentle. Anyone ever been there? do the same task, but can you do it with a sensitivity, with a mildness, with a sen- uh, coming alongside of others? And patience. Patience. That is the self-control to not react in anger or frustration or rage or irritation at the offenses or failures, annoyances of others. Anyone need patience? This is how we put on Christ for each other. And all these graces have to be applied to smooth out the rough edges. And this leads into the next part. That is to put on His forgiveness and extend it among us. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. C.S. Lewis said something very interesting. Forgiveness is a very lovely idea until you have something to forgive. Forgiveness is a very lovely idea until you have something to forgive. Because when you forgive somebody, that means you kind of take the payment of what was offended or the debt, if you will. Here's the reality of what happens when you're brought into the body of Christ. Again, this, this church in Colossae was people from all different backgrounds, right? But also, we're still wrestling. 
with our flesh. We're still in the process of being made in Christ's likeness. And in doing life together, we are going to hurt each other. We are going to offend each other. We are going to disappoint one another. That's what happens in a family, in a body. Again, I have the privilege to do premarital counseling with Beth and, and Jordan. And again, I don't mean to make it as a poster children, but I say, hey, you know what, you guys? You're going to look amazing on your wedding day. You're going to be on your best behavior. But that's not your marriage. You're going to need to be good forgivers because you are going to hurt each other. You are going to disappoint each other. You are going to misunderstand each other. There's going to be conflict. It's going to happen. Two sinners are marrying each other. Yes, forgiven by grace, but two sinners are coming together. Forgiveness needs to be applied. The same thing is true in the church. And I think some people do not have realistic expectations for the church. They expect perfection. They expect that everyone will be on their best behavior all the time, except for them. And then they get offended. And then they get hurt because someone forgot something or neglected something or gave them the stink eye. And all they had was gas, right? But that's what's going on. Sometimes we have unrealistic expectations. That forgiveness needs to be extended to one another. Because you know what happens? When we don't do that, we either separate from each other and more gap comes between us, or we just leave and go to the next church and find the same thing to be true. And we're just repeating the pattern over and over and over. Berean is a wonderful family, but we are a far from perfect family, starting with your pastor. If you get to know me, you get to hang out with me, I'm going to offend you. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to hurt you. Not because I'm looking to, but because I'm in process. But I need your forgiveness as well. But that is the grace that greases the skids. And here's the other thing that's true. It can move into something greater. It's what the body needs. Because listen to this. In putting on Christ, this is the next thing, His love brings His intentions or His ends among us. Look at verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Literally, that last half phrase is love, which is the bond of perfection or completeness. In this sense, yes, His grace needs to be clothing our interactions. His forgiveness needs to be extended among His people. And it results in the bond of love, which is bringing completion or maturation. It's what God intends. It's so we grow up to be like Him. It's the same word, similar word as what Jesus said on the cross when he said, it is finished, to tell us die, it's being completed. God's 
end or completed work is that we would learn to love each other through that grace, through that forgiveness. Didn't we sing it earlier? They'll know we are Christians by our, our love, right? So Jesus said, John 13, 35. By this all men will know that you are my disciples and that you have love for one another. And again, that's not a being perfect before each other. It's extending that grace. It's extending that forgiveness. But here's the beauty of this. And here's what I want you to know. Do you know when you're loved, you know you're really loved? It's when you're loved warts and all. When you're loved and you're ugly. When you've shown someone the stuff you don't want to show anybody, and you're still loved and accepted, you know you're loved. That's what this family is about. To be honest with each other, to say, hey, let me show you where I'm struggling. Let me show you where I've fallen. And I may need to ask your forgiveness for that. I may need your grace for that. But that's what brings maturity and completion of what God is trying to do in among us. And that's when we know that we're really loved. So that's what God is trying to do among us. But here's the truth. You can't do that in your flesh, but Jesus can do it in you and through you. It is that Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is a supernatural thing. It's Him loving each other through us. But that's how He wants to meet us. That's how He wants to show Himself. Okay, let's keep going here. We put Christ on by His peace keeping unity among us. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Peace. It's what Christ came to do, to bring reconciliation between a holy God and sinful men and women and before each other. Earlier in the same letter, chapter 1, verse 20, and through Him, talking about Christ, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. That's the thing. Christ came to bring peace between us and our God and between each other. To make us one, to bring us into one body. He says this in his letter to the Ephesians. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two, speaking about Jews and Gentiles, the two groups, one, and has destroyed the barrier, which is the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh, in his flesh the law, and with its commands and its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. all that we've talked about before this grace this forgiveness this love there's a purpose in that we would be at peace with, with each other that we would be united because indeed he is the prince of peace and we as his people are called to peace with one another
And it will take compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. But again, we're, we're called to reflect Him and His character. That's when we're putting on Christ. We have peace with each other. So how are you doing in having a sense of unity and a sense of peace with those in the practical body of Christ here at Breen Community Church? And I want to take a different angle here also. Because it's real easy to come to a church and just kind of keep, you can be here, but you kind of keep things at at arm's length. Because sometimes we do that because we don't want to not have peace with people. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to rub anyone's rough edges. So we kind of keep things at an arm's length. But here's the question. If you're coming to Breeding Community Church, you consider this your home, how are you doing with being united and having a sense of peace those around you and who knows you who knows you who do you have a relationship with that knows what's going on in your life and who do you know who do you know because i think it's real easy to keep things at arm's length arm's distance but that's not what christ intended who are you allowing to know you who do you know at berean community church have you allowed yourself to kind of take that step, maybe to get involved in the Life Together group or serving somewhere? Because you know what we talk about here at Berean Community Church? We talk about pursuing God and preparing people and proclaiming Christ together. Not as individuals, together. That doesn't mean we don't do it as individuals, but that means we're doing this together. As a family, we're doing life together in Christ. And it's easy to stay anonymous. But are you allowing yourself to step in? To be unified? Because it's easy to stay anonymous, but that's not unity. Next, putting on Christ and letting His goodness stir gratitude among us. And this is a little clause at the end of verse 15. And be thankful. Let me say it again. And be thankful. This is not a Hobby Lobby platitude that you put over your kitchen. In context, it has to do with being grateful for what God has done to pursue us in Christ Jesus. But even more so in context, it's being grateful for the body that Christ has put you in. being thankful for the body that Christ has put you in so that you can receive His ministering from Himself in that body. Again, that's where He wants to meet us. I truly think that people who kind of jump from church to church and don't plug into a local church are excluding themselves from how Christ wants to meet them. So they're not thankful for the local church because it doesn't meet their standards, whatever. Never, no one ever will. No church ever will. But will you be thankful 
for the family, for the body God has put you in. Will you say, thank you, Lord, for putting me here at the Berean Community Church? Warts and all. The good, the bad, the ugly. You see, some folks see us as a social service or a place to have their needs met as a, as a consumer. Most folks don't usually last here because we disappoint them somewhere along the way. But again, we are a family. Family extends grace to each other. Family extends forgiveness to each other. It's where Christ wants to meet you. And we need to be thankful for what God is doing here. Here's an example. You know, I've been here for almost 12 years now. And I spent a lot of time in this building. I know where the cracks are. I know where the ants get in. I know where the doors don't work. I know a lot of the foulables and foibles of this church building. And by the way, the building is not the church, just to get that clear. But here's my example. Back in 2018, we got to host the Connect Conference here. And you know what? My heart was changed from kind of being complaining about knowing where all the foibles were to gratitude. Because I had so many of the other Bereans in our fellowship say, man, you guys have a great building. This is a wonderful facility. And all of a sudden I had new eyes to appreciate what God had given us. I think it's the same thing with the church body. To have gratitude for one another. To have gratitude for what God is doing here. And all of a sudden, it just changes your perspective. If you have true gratitude for what he is doing and has done here in this body, it changes your perspective. Paul's command to be thankful is not for God's sake. It's not God twiddling his thumb saying, well, finally they're grateful. No, it's for our sake. It's our right response to what God is doing. We need to be thankful for the body that God has put us in. It's what he was telling the Colossians. It's what he's telling us. To see with fresh eyes what God is doing here in the local body. Let's continue on to verse 16. And let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another and put uh, with all... Let's try it again. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. As we put on Christ, it is His Word that shows us our salvation, our standard, and our song. Let's break it down. His Word shows us our salvation. Let the Word of Christ... Or as the new NIV says, let the message of Christ, the word is logos, dwell among you richly. Yes, the whole Bible is God's word. But let's face it, God flipped the switch when Jesus showed up, right? He did what we did not expect He was going to do. And to let the word of Christ, that gospel, come and dwell among us richly. What he has done to save us, yes, 
but much more that we are his children, we are his workmanship, we are seated with him in the heavenlies, we are forgiven, we are holy, we are chosen, and we are one body. Let that word dwell within us richly. Because at the end of the day, it's all about what Jesus has done for us. And that message should dwell among us richly. It should be speaking hope to our hearts So it shows us our salvation, what Christ has done. But number one, it also, again, we're in a a body. We're not just self-contained units. And when it comes to teaching, when it comes to admonishing, when it comes to giving wisdom, when it comes to preaching even, the word of Christ should be our standard. The word of Christ should be our standard. Every Sunday I've got to come up with something to say, don't I? You know where I go? The Word of God. Let them go to the news. Let them go to YouTube. I go to the Word of God. If I don't have this, I don't have anything to say. You see, because our world wants to define the standards of living as what's popular, what's new, what's current, what our culture is telling us, what technology is telling us what global warming is telling us, whatever that is. No. Our standard is the Word of God. It's His standard. It's His message, not mine. There's a reason we call ourselves Berean. There's a reason why we're the Berean Community Church. Berean is not not a community somewhere in some suburb. Berean has its roots in what happened in Berea, which is now modern-day Turkey, where Paul came to the Bereans and preached the message, and they received it with eagerness. But you know what else they did? They looked in the Word of God to see that these things were so. If what I say is contrary to this Word, that I'm missing the standard. If we're living according to something different than what this word says, then we're missing God's standard. His word needs to dwell within us richly. See, contrary to what our world thinks, the truth is not subjective. You know, my truth and your truth can be different. It doesn't matter what my truth and your truth is what God's truth is. He is the standard. Let's just take a well-known verse for a moment and quickly just parse it out real quickly. God so loved the world. So God loves the world. That's in rebellion against Him, by the way. That He gave His one and only Son. He gave His most precious relationship. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. Perish? What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, there's a holy God who's going to bring judgment unless you believe in his Son. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's life there. So you got love, you got judgment. 
and you've got life. All three of them are true. But the question is, how have you responded? Have you believed? Have you responded to what God has done? See, it's God's word. It's God's standard, not mine, not yours. It's what he has said. And last of all, that his word will be our our song. Through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and songs singing with God, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. I think all of you know this. Music has an amazing way to accessing our hearts, to bring the truth in ways that the spoken or preached word just doesn't reach us, right? Whether it's a, a song that we set Scripture to a tune, or whether it's doctrine, thing, things that we need to be taught and affirmed, or whether it's just our response to God in gratitude. Music does an amazing thing, and that needs to be something that, and it is, that abounds among us, causes us to sing. And many of us have our go-to songs, right? When we're in a down place, we need to be reminded of the truth. We need to be encouraged. And that needs to flourish among us. It needs to be the thing that keeps our hope, keeps our joy. But the Word of Christ also helps us make sure we are worshiping in spirit and in truth. See, just because the song has the word Christian before it does not mean that it's necessarily true. And we've paired away some songs or we've changed the word to some songs because we're going, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. It does not line up with the Word of Christ. But it is the source of where our songs come from. So how are you doing in letting the Word of Christ dwell within you richly? Is it something you're hiding in your heart? I hope that you are in God's Word every day, and I'm not here to check on you, okay? I'm telling you this not because the pastor said I should, but because it's where God wants to speak to you, wants to teach you about Him and nourish your soul. And some passages are, are, are richer than others, absolutely. Like I said, I would encourage you to memorize these first 17 verses. I think it would do your soul well. But even as we interact, even as we interact with each other, are we letting that word dwell within us richly? Engaging each other that, in that way. And causing your heart to worship. Causing your heart to worship. Are we allowing His Word to circulate among us as though we were fish swimming in the ocean? It is the atmosphere we live in. That's the way it should be. And the last aspect of putting on Christ is about allowing His name to be the honor and the glory among us. Allowing His name to be the honor and the glory among us. So whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What's life about? Is it about you? Is it about gaining all this world? Whose kingdom are you building? Are you building your own kingdom? 
Or if you're in Christ, you sense you're part of something greater. And building His kingdom. Who gets the glory? See, if you're in Christ, if I'm in Christ, then you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are under new management. And it's no longer about you. You've relinquished the throne to your life. It has to be about Him. It's about telling this world, I'm His. And what I do, and what I say, I'm looking to bring glory to Him. I'm I'm looking to make Him look good. I'm looking to point to Jesus. And that might mean just doing your best job at work. Or having a good attitude when everyone else around you has a crummy attitude. Or being thankful in a time where everyone else is complaining and grumbling. Not because things aren't hard, but because you have a greater hope. You have something greater that you're living for. And it's causing you even to give thanks. Because you know we serve a God, we serve a Father who works all things for the good. All things. He doesn't waste anything for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. So whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And that happens by being clothed in His grace, by extending His forgiveness, by making His love my goal, by His peace keeping unity among us, His goodness being in His body, generating gratitude, and His Word dwelling among us. At the end of the day, we want to give glory to what He is doing among us. And let that shine. So may the Lord Jesus help us to put Him on every day, every moment. Let Him have His way among us. He can manifest himself and people can say, I see Christ in that person. Not because they're perfect, because God is doing something and then they can't do themselves. I don't get it, but it's what God is doing. So here in a moment we're going to switch gears to celebrate what God has done in sending us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to participate in communion of the Lord's Supper. And here at the Breen Community Church, we practice open communion. That means if you put your faith in Christ, you're welcome at this table. It's not my table. It's not the table of the Breen Community Church. It's his table, and he is the one who invites you here. But I also want to say, if, if you've not yet put your faith in Christ, I just encourage you to let the elements pass on down the row, because If you take it, you're saying something that's not yet true of you. And we want to worship in spirit and in truth today. So, we realize again that what caused Christ to come, what caused Christ to go to the cross, was our sin, our need. And 
we are still in process of being made like the Lord Jesus. So we want to come to this table thoughtfully.